know, it's easy to do the right thing and say the right words and think the right thoughts on the mountaintop. When everything's going well, it's easy to do the right things and say the right words and think the right thoughts when everything's going well, bills are paid, the doctor's report was good, your kids are behaving, your parents are behaving. Right? But sometimes, sometimes, that's not what our world looks like. Is that right? Maybe you've never gone through a valley, but Dwayne's gone through a couple. So how do we trust God in that place? How do we trust God when the doctor's report isn't good and the bills aren't paid and everybody ain't behaving? Right? How do we trust God there? Well, that's what this three-week series is all about. I love this passage that we're going to read every week. King David said in Psalm 139, verse 10, Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And when I read this, you, you know, every time I've read this passage before, I, I like the part about your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me. But you know what dro- jumped out at me this, this time? Even there. Even there. So I wonder, where's your even there? Where's that place that you would say, even there? That valley place, that difficult moment, that dark space, even there. Even there. If you were here last week, you saw two amazing testimonies, one from my friend Tim and one from Bonnie Teal. Bonnie Teal got sick this week on Thursday, and she sent us a text through her daughter Jan said, I don't know about I'm going to testify anymore. <laughs> and and you, know, you know what we were able to say? Even there. Even there. So when we put this message series together in November, December last year, I, I really felt like the Lord impressed six people to share brief testimonies during each sermon. And so you're going to hear from two more today. So I want you to give your undivided attention to my friend Rebecca. You said brief? <laughs> okay. All right. So there's been lots of times I've told my testimony, like where God brought me from, and, and most of you know where God brought me from. Um, but Pastor Dwayne asked me specifically to talk about something that is really close to me. Um, and what he doesn't know is that I'm, I've been in a valley with that place, even though it's my favorite place. I've been in a valley there and allowing the enemy to keep me from my favorite place. So that was just a way for God to say, hey, it's been a couple of weeks. Can, can, we, can we meet again? 
So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start by saying God longs to hear from us. Like the word, the word says he inhabits the praise of his people. And what that means is when we praise him, he takes up residence in our heart. And, and that's, that's a good feeling for me. I want him to be inside of me and, and telling me where to go and letting the Holy Spirit lead me. Um, and he also loves when we intentionally make time for him. Um, with me, I'm an anytime prayer, like person that prays. If you tell me you're sick, then we're going to pray right then. If you send me a text, I'm going to stop immediately and pray. Um, but there's just, there's just something about having a, a place that you go that you just meet with God and, and you spend that time growing your relationship with him. And we call that the secret place. So in Matthew 6, 6, it says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the secret place is different for everyone. I mean, it can be in your kitchen, in your dining room, in your backyard. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to have a door because the door sometimes is in our mind. We just have to shut everything else off. Um, my secret place is in my closet. Uh, the people that know this think that it's rather unique, but really it's not. I mean, it comes from the movie, The War Room. Uh, in 2018, my, my kid was sick. We found out he had Crohn's, and he was in the hospital for four days. I think I watched that movie about 50 times then. Um, so I, I just kept dreaming of, like, having my own house so that I could develop and create my war room. And so, in 2020, my dreams came true, and I bought my first big girl purchase in a house. It was pretty nice. Um, but, the but one of the first things I was thinking was, wow, I get to make my war room. And so, I, I began from the moment, moment I moved in, like, just writing scriptures on the wall and, and writing prayer requests on the back of the door. And I had these little cards, index cards, that I would put in my kid's lunchbox for a whole year in 2018. And I, I started sticking those to the wall, and they were all things that meant something to me. And so, um, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things on my wall. When you walk in, it says really big, God is in control, because sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, that nothing just happens. Um, so I also, just to give you some perspective about my closet, I have a space dedicated to praying for my future husband and myself, because I've never been in a godly relationship, so... I mean, I want to be the best good godly wife I can be. And so I, I spend that time praying that God will make me that. But this room did not just happen. It's been seven years in the making. So eight years ago, a lot of you know that I left a life of fighting, being angry. I was rather mean, um, doing a lot of drugs and, and crimes that I could have gotten in trouble for, but God kept me from that because he had a greater purpose. Um, so I moved here and went to rehab. It took me a year to realize that I couldn't mentally do this journey on my own, that I needed God's help. And so in 2015, I just gave him everything. I said, I can't do this anymore, and I need you. And so once I did that, um, I, I turned away from the world, even though at that moment, before I gave my life to Christ and surrendered everything to him, I was ready to step back out in the world. Like, I, I could not do it on my own. But I decided to step towards Jesus, and he stepped towards me. And, and that, that was all I needed. That's all I needed to happen. Um, so I, I had a, 
a secret place anywhere. I could have a secret place in my car, in my bedroom, um, anywhere. Like, I can have church anywhere. It doesn't matter. Give me some music and, and, you know, a prayer on my heart, and we're good. We're having church. So here's where things are, get a little crazy when I say this is my favorite place. But I also have to mention how much the enemy tries to keep me from that place. He knows once I step into that room, he can't come. That the power of God is going to be with me there. But I guarantee you he tries to keep me from there a lot. And for the past couple of weeks, um, like I'm, I'm usually faithful about going every single day. I mean, I can read a prayer and, and, I mean, I can say a prayer, read a devotion in my car. It's not even that, uh, that I'm not talking to God, but it's just about stepping into that special place. And I was kind of in a valley um, with my secret place. And for a couple of weeks, I had not went in there. It's because the enemy distracts us with busyness, with work. <laughs> like he tries to, like last week, I wasn't able to come to church. That hurts me so bad because I need this. I need my people. But once, once the enemy gets you away with distractions and busyness and and just life, then here comes shame and guilt because you haven't went into that secret place. So then there's more days that you don't go. So then there's this big, huge gap between you and God. So I will say that if you do not have a secret place, it only takes a day at a time to develop one. You just find somewhere quiet that you know you can get away with God because he definitely wants to meet you there. And if you ever feel like there's a gap between you and God, the one thing, that, the one place you can find him instantly is in your secret place. So I've been in there all week, thanks to the Holy Spirit and Pastor Dwayne. So, uh, yeah, your, your secret place is definitely um, a great place, but you can even have hills and valleys in that secret place. Good morning. I always got that camera, my wife. <laughs> it, oh, all right, y'all. I'm going to say a little bit about my past, what I've been through, what God's brought me through, my testimony, and um, it's some dark things that I've went through but I've overcome just by the power of Jesus Christ. So here we go. At a very young age, around five, I was molested on pretty much, it was through like, I don't know, a year's time. Um, going through that as a, as a young kid and then realizing once you get on up in age, like what really happened to you and everything kind of messes with your head, you know. Uh, and it was a male, it was a male that did it, so kind of messes with you, but it, it got me where I knew how to t uh, keep secrets, now with the addiction ministry we lead today, new life, come on, yep, we uh, just know that I'm a vault, if y'all have anything going on that I'll 
I'm not going to spread y'all's gossip anywhere. So, but with that, going through school around 10, I was introduced to marijuana and shaking. Uh, marijuana, uh, I was 10, smoking cigarettes and, and smoking weed, and it kind of made me just forget about all that. As I kept going through school, getting in high school, experimenting with other things, and finding stronger things because weed just wasn't doing it no more and that just made me hungry and want to go to sleep. You know, so I, I ventured off in, especially when I graduated high school. Graduating high school with cocaine and meth and pills all right in there. Then uh, is it, is that's when it really started after I graduated high school with my addiction. Coming through 2000, 2010, man. Mama. Mm. Yeah, my mama. Whew. Got me, Lord. My mama, which was there with me more, because my dad was a fireman, so he had to work 24-hour shifts. My mom was pretty much my rock. I could be open with her. She found out she had cancer. And within like 26 days, she was dead. Mm. Get my sissy tissue. <laughs> That's a, I used to think Pastor Dwayne was a sissy because he'd get up here and cry. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that did nothing besides drove me deeper into my addiction. Start where I stopped believing in God. My parents had me raised up in church till I was about 12, then we stopped going. I think because I didn't know how to behave, so <laughs> more than likely. But uh, after that, my losing losing my mom, then it was my best friend, my cuz. Uh, so I could tell anything to. Lost him. I don't know what year. I forget what year it was, but. Through all this, I know God was with me because I did some shady, crazy things. And somehow I didn't go to prison and jail. Like now, looking back, I see now with uh, losing my cousin, <laughs> there it went. I just, I just went deeper. I just fell off deeper and deeper. Then it was my dad. Had a, uh, a heart attack, they brought him back, and then a stroke, or had another heart attack with a stroke, and within three days, my dad was gone. Mm. My dad was gone. So there went my trust in the Lord. Why are you doing this to me? I hated God. I didn't want nothing to do. I'd come here to church sometimes, geeked out of my mind and messed up just to make my wife happy. 
I'd be in the bathroom doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. It was just, through my addiction, we've lost houses. We've lost cars. And for the woman sitting over there, Angie Banks, to stand by me, mm. I don't know why. I guess the Lord kept giving her hope, and I'm so glad he did. Then I found Victory Home. Thank you, Ryan Moore. One of my friends went through that he recently just passed in a cracked car wreck. He went through, and I found Victory Home while I got locked up and then went to Victory Home. And uh, pretty much there's where I found Jesus Christ. That's, that's two days into it. There was guys running around were, that were happy, not on drugs, living for the Lord. And I was like, I want some of that. You know, let me get, I, I, I want to be happy like that. And sure enough, I gave myself a, all your dirty crap that you got, okay? If you, your dirty roots, if you truly lay it at the foot of the cross, oh, we got to stay in a minute. If you lay it at the foot of the cross and you leave it and you lean on the Lord, Two months after getting, or a month after getting out of rehab, I got a job, and two days into the job, I had a guy doing heroin and cocaine right in front of me. But you know what I did? Went to the Lord. I went to the Lord in prayer, poured my hat down, and he gave me this overwhelming feeling. Like where it, he had, he like just hugged me. And I got out, I had a little Gideon Bible, and I started reading my Bible, and it works. It just takes work instead of just going back to your old life. You got to do your devotions. Like, uh, speaking for me, it, it's worked for the last five and a half years, just staying in the Lord's word. He's the only one that can do it. I did it my way for so long, and it never worked. It never worked my way. But the Lord's way is the only way that works, thank you, Jesus, because I, I shouldn't be here today. <clears throat> I shouldn't. So... Just uh, anybody out there that's struggling, that's got stuff on their mind, just lay it down at the foot of the cross and just go into the Bible. That's it. Thank you all for letting me share a little bit of my testimony. You're good. So what I've learned is we're just, you know, maybe we need to, you know, put on our advertisement, come here, find Jesus, and he'll keep you out of jail. That's, that's, that's how I heard that. That's, man, even there, even there, even there. So are you telling me that in the throes of addiction and death, God is with you even there? The answer is yes. How does he do it? Last week we said that we find strength in the context of community. Now, now I, I don't want to speak for either one of these two people or the two people that spoke last week, but let me tell you what doesn't happen. You don't find healing like that in a cave by yourself. 
You find it in the context of community with people who are willing to lock arms with you and love you and kick your fanny when you step out of line. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever got a good Holy Ghost fanny kick from somebody? So today, today, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about this truth, that we find strength in the power of perspective. Say perspective. And you're thinking, I have no idea where he's going with this. Well, I'm not 100% either. I'm just kidding. I know exactly where I'm going with this. I asked the Lord, Lord, how do we, how do we wrap up this, this thought that you put in my heart? And, and that one word, perspective, perspective. And he took me to a place in the Bible that if you want to talk about mountains and peaks and valleys, this guy knew them. And his name was Elijah. Now, no, what, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to read two whole chapters to you uh, because you'd go to sleep on me, and I don't want you to do that. But just somewhere on your, in your notes app or on your bulletin, I want you to write down 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 because I want you to read these for yourself when you get home. But I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to give you the big D-Lipe uh, paraphrase. Is that all right if I give you that real quick? So Elijah was a prophet in Israel. Israel uh, for a while was doing really good, and in this season they weren't doing so good. They had, they had turned their hearts toward idols. Uh, anybody ever done that, by the way? Oh, just two, me and Clint, only once. Turned their hearts toward idols. But Elijah stood strong. And you're going to see this story in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah wins this huge victory. There's hundreds and hundreds of these prophets from, an, an, uh, that, uh, from idols that were on one side of the football field and Elijah's by himself on the other side. And they had this big contest on the top of the mountain. And, and they, they build these two altars. And uh, the prophets of Baal, that's who... Elijah was kind of against in that moment. Uh, they, they were going to call on their God to breathe fire from heaven and consume their altar. And so they built their altar, put the sacrifice on the altar, and began to pray to their dead, lifeless God. And as it happens when you pray to a dead, lifeless God, nothing happened. There's this altar that's there, and... Nothing. And so Elijah starts making fun of him. He's like, maybe you should pray a little louder. He's obviously asleep. One translation says he, he might be relieving himself. He's in the potty. That, now, that's sarcastic, isn't it? Elijah had this attitude that your God's dead, mine's not. I don't care how many there are of y'all. I don't need, when it's me and God, I'm a majority. Come on, somebody. And that's what he said. And so after they had done their little dance and done all their stuff and, and their altar remained unscathed, Elijah said, my turn. And he said, in fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take an, uh, a, uh, I don't know if they had shovels. Take something and dig a trench around the altar. And he said, now fill it with water. Now cover the altar with water, and, and I want everything soaking wet. And then he prayed to the name of the Lord God, the only God that's alive. And fire consumed that altar, and 
licked up all the waters, what the Bible said. And so all of those other hundreds of, of prophets of Baal, of false, dead, lifeless gods, died that day. And Elijah stood there victorious. That's a big day, isn't it? That's a Facebook post right there. Come on, that's, that's a pretty good peek, isn't it? And see, if it was a Facebook post, you'd end it right there. But the story doesn't end there. See, all of a sudden, the king's wife got upset. Got really upset. Jezebel got upset. And she, she looked, she sent a message. She, re, she replied to the Facebook message. And she said, what happened to these, uh, these prophets of, of ours is going to happen to you in 24 hours. And so Elijah took off running. In fact, uh, this fat preacher ran a marathon, literally ran a marathon, almost 20 miles. Got out of town. And here's where he got in trouble. The Bible says, if you read it carefully in 1 Kings 19, the Bible says he left his servant and went off by himself. What did we talk about last week? Where does, where does the enemy do his greatest work? When you're isolation. So Elijah isolated himself. And I, I love, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to my Heavenly Father, but there's sometimes he's just cool. <laughs> Here's what he said to Elijah when he's off by himself. What are you doing? <laughs> Literally, what are you doing? It, just curious. Does God ever give you that little speech? What are you doing? Why are you here? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, that's what he said. Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? See, I'm, I'm convinced that these valley places that we walk through from time to time, sometimes they're out of our control, aren't they? Sometimes you don't get an opportunity to determine your valley place. They just happen to you, right? Sometimes sickness happens. Sometimes financial struggles happen, right? Sometimes life just happens, right? But sometimes you walk down that valley road quite intentional, right? Sometimes you make a choice to walk into a dark place. And that's what happened to Elijah. And God said, why are you here? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> See, this first perspective I want to talk to you about is called objective perspective. I believe that we as children of God should have an objective perspective. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. When we say something is objective, that means we are looking at just the facts. Just the reality of the situation. When things are subjective, that means we have tainted the situation with our own feelings and our own opinions and our own thoughts and our own emotions. And now things get subjective. And let me tell you what, how it looked for Elijah. Elijah said, I am the only one left. Was that true? No. Not even close to being true. If you read on down in, in, in chapter 19, God said, I've preserved 7,000 more just like you. So in, 
his subjective opinion, he was all by himself. Elijah went from this huge victory to suicidal depression in one chapter. And it was all because he started listening to his feelings. His feelings. I'm, I'm all by myself. I'm all by myself. There's nobody that's ever walked down this path like I'm walking. Nobody's dealing with what I'm dealing with. I'm all by myself. So not only is the enemy's greatest tool isolation, he, he kicks it up a notch when he convinces you that you're all by yourself. So write this down. The response to my valley must never be entirely linked to how I feel. Listen to me. Every eye right here on my eyeballs. Your feelings will lie to you. So, hmm. Maybe we should base our attitudes and actions on something that won't lie to you we'll get there in a minute see our our mind y'all our thoughts I, i'm not a I, i'm not a, i'm not trained in neuroscience but here's what i believe to be true that that our actions typically follow our feelings and our feelings follow our thoughts. What begins as a thought becomes a feeling, becomes an action. So when, when God's trying to, to do something in us, where does he start? Does he start, well, you, you know, uh, you need to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, and dating girls that do. You need to quit all that. Is that where he starts? No, no, no. That's not where he starts at all. Look at Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How's he going to do that? By changing the way you think. Changing the way you act? Nope. Changing the way you feel? Nope. Changing the way you think. Because if you can think right, you'll do right. In fact, write that down. Before I can do the right thing, I have to think the right thoughts. Before I can do the right thing, I have to think the right thoughts. And I can't think the right thoughts unless the Spirit of God renews my mind. That's what we just read in Romans chapter 12. When the Spirit of God renews my mind, I can think the right thoughts, and I can feel the right way, and then I can do the right things. So what's the truth, y'all? How do we look at these valley seasons from an objective perspective? In other words, let's just look at the reality of it. Well, you can start by looking at where you're at. See, that's what God said to Elijah. Where you at? And Elijah never answers the question. What, what, he, what he said was, I'm all by myself and they want to kill me. Where you at? What are you doing? I don't know where you're at today. 
I don't know what season you're walking through. I don't know what trial you're walking through. I don't know what dark place you're walking through. I, I, I don't know, and it's, it's really not for me to know. But, but let's start with one truth. Can we do that? Just one truth. The deepest valley, the darkest place you'll ever go, is still above ground. See, the enemy's told us it's never going to get any better. It's, it's always going to feel this way. It's always going to be just like that. And I'm going to tell you, listen, that valley place, before you start complaining about it, that valley place may be an answer to your prayer. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? Lord, I'll just do whatever it takes for me to get closer to you. That sounds good, doesn't it? Do you mean it? Have you ever prayed for a loved one and said, do whatever you got to do to get them close to you? Well, Lord, why are they in jail? I'm answering your prayer. I'm serious, y'all. You know, we ask God to do things, and then we complain about the way he does it. God, I just want to be close to you. Well, you know what? I'm, I may have to let you go through a valley. So we got to find truth. How do we find truth? See, that's the greatest lie our culture has told us began in my generation. And here's the lie. My truth doesn't have to be your truth. Truth can be relative. In other words, what's true in Georgia may not be true in California. Let's move on. This is a very unpopular statement I'm getting ready to make, but I, I just happen to believe it with everything in me, and will go to my grave believing this, that truth that isn't truth at all times, for all people, in all places, isn't truth at all. So what is, what is true for all people, at all times, in all places? What is true in every valley, in every circumstance? What is true? That's why I want us to have a Biblical perspective. Does it, does it feel good when somebody prays for you? When somebody prays for you, all right, what, what, if, what, if, what if you got, now he's, he's gone on to be the Lord, but one of my spiritual heroes was Billy Graham. Man, what if I got a letter, a handwritten letter from him that he was praying for me? Ooh. Made me feel good. What if I told you Jesus prayed for you? Listen to what he said in John chapter 17. He said, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This is truth. 
Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus died so you could know the truth and the truth could set you free. And then listen. Oh, you can't can't miss this part. Verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed that the truth would be revealed to you, not just... Not just words on a page, but a living, active, breathing breath of God that is able to be applied to your life because of what Jesus did on the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. But but I'm in a dark place. I get it. That's why I hung that banner over there seven months ago. Your word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What if? You know, you know, sometimes we, we talk about these dark places and these valley places like they're always a bad thing. If, if I walked outside right now in this Georgia heat, in the Georgia sunshine, and I had a bright flashlight, would it make a difference at all? Nope. What if in the darkest night, the darkest, darkest place I've ever been, a light shines? Sometimes the light shines brightest in your darkest place. So when you're in a dark place, listen, I told you last week, when, when you get in those dark places, one of the first things the enemy wants to do is to isolate you. The second, and, and Rebecca said it. The second thing he wants to do is to separate you from your source of light. It's God's word. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? All right, put your hands down. Then why aren't we opening the book? Write this down. You can't have a biblical perspective if you don't open the book. I I want you to hear me, and I've said this before, but I must please hear my words. When you come to church here, when you come to growth groups here, you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to hear the word, and we're going to teach this to the best of our ability. When your kids come across to the Robbie Johnson Student Center, you know what? They're going to hear the word, and they're going to be taught to the best of our ability, but I want you to listen to me. Look at my eyes. It's not enough. you got to be swallowing some of this on your own. We talk about these valleys like they're always a bad thing. Look at Psalm 104, verse 8. I don't know if I put that one up there. Psalm 104, verse 8. I guess I didn't. I love this. Listen. The mountains rose... The valleys sank down to the place you appointed for them. What if this valley is an appointment from God? What if, you, what if this isn't just happenstance? What if you're on assignment? Well, what good could possibly come from this dark place. I, I, was, I, I was rolling this over my heart. And, and honestly, I don't remember if this was a last night thing or a this morning thing. But, but, but here's the, what, what I felt like the Holy Spirit was shared in my, in, my, in my spirit. What grows on a mountain peak? The answer you're searching for is nothing. Go up to the North Georgia mountains 
and look at the very top of those mountain peaks. You know, you know what you're going to see? Rock. Maybe after a little while you'll see some trees. But look what's growing in that valley. You're going to see vegetation. And you're going to see gardens. And you're going to see farms down in the valley. Listen, you get inspiration at the mountaintop, you get nourished in the valley. You grow in the valley. You grow in those, those times when you're h- hanging on for dear life. You grow. <laughs> and that's why this book, y'all, is so important. That's why this book is so important. You see, I can, I can in, in my dark place, in my, in, you know, in my depressed place, in my anxious place, in my sick place, in, Fill in that dark adjective, whatever, and and you can find grace and mercy and help. You can flip over to Psalm 34, and you can see that when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. You can flip over to 2 Corinthians and hear, but God comforts the downcast. You can flip over to Isaiah 41 and hear him say, fear not, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. You can flip over to 1 Peter and know that I can cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for me. I can flip over to Matthew and hear the words of my Savior say, come to me all who labor and are heavy laboring, and I'll give you rest. I can flip over to Proverbs chapter 3 and hear these admonitions to trust in the Lord and not lean on my own understanding but know that he'll direct my paths always always can I go can I have a couple more oh let's see I can flip over to Philippians chapter 4 and it'll tell me not to be anxious for anything but to pray about everything and the peace of God will find me and transcend all and guard my hearts and mind I can flip over to Psalm 23 and say even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I don't have to fear because you are with me your rod your staff they comfort me I can flip over to Psalm 34 and it'll tell me that the Lord is close to the broken hearted I can flip back a few pages to Psalm 9 it says the Lord's a stronghold for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble when I'm afraid I can flip to Psalm to 2 Timothy 1 it says God didn't give you a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind When it just gets too heavy, when the tears are flowing too fast, I can flip over to Revelation and say, one day, he's going to wipe every tear from my eyes and death shall be no more. When the enemy fights me and, and, and battles me on every hand, I can read the words of Jesus that says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so you can have life, life more abundant. Did you sense the encouragement you felt? Just hearing a a snippet of what this book has to offer. You want to hear a couple more? (laughs) Anybody ever felt like you're in a battle? Flip over to Deuteronomy 31. It says, it's the Lord who goes before you. He'll be with you. He'll not leave you or forsake you. Don't be feared. Don't dismay. I flip to Isaiah 40. It says, but they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount. Anybody felt weak? 
Bible says you can mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary. <laughs> you ever feel like you're under attack? Psalm 3 says, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, the lifter of my head. You don't have to hang your head. Ever feel like you're in turmoil? Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You don't understand my sorrow. Psalm 30 says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. Come on, somebody. I'm too weak. I can't do it. Philippians chapter 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got pages of these, y'all. Have I not commanded you, he told Joshua, and he's telling you, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And here's, here's something you can declare to your enemies. He told Jeremiah, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. That's God's word. That is truth. So anything the enemy tells you that doesn't stand on God's truth is a lie. And oh, by the way, everything he tells you is a lie. And then lastly, I want you to have an objective perspective. And, and when I say you, I mean us. Come on. I want you to have a biblical perspective. And I want you to have an eternal perspective. Here's what James said, James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, listen to this, he will receive the crown of life, which God's promised to those who love him. Uh, This next thing I'm going to give you, this next little fill-in, is deep and profound. All right, but, but I need you to hang on to it. Write this down. Everything in this life is temporary. And that's what the enemy wants you to know. Wants you to, he wants you to feel like uh, this, this anxiety that I feel is always going to be like this. This depression I feel is always going to be like this. This sickness that I'm in is always going to be like this. This loneliness that I feel because my relationship didn't work out. It's always going to be like this. You know, put your own valley in that. It's always going to be like this. No, it's not. It's not. Man, I, I, I wish, I, I wish in my younger life I had a better grasp on this idea of putting things in the right perspective. Because when things crash against you and things don't go the way they think you, the way you think they need to go. Man, the enemy has a field day. And he makes you think that, oh, this is, it's, it's always going to be like this. And it's not. And, and listen, I'm not telling you got to wait to heaven. Most of the stuff you're walking through, you, you'll walk through it on this side of heaven. 
It just doesn't feel like it because you're in the middle of it. You know, it's hard to see the end of the valley while you're in the middle of it. But, but I'm going to tell you that most of it that you'll walk through, there's an end. The loneliness I feel, the, the depression that you feel, the anxiety, all that stuff, there's an end. There's a God that heals. There's a God that delivers. There, there's a God. Listen, you heard two amazing testimonies of people who should be dead today. Aren't you glad we serve a God who makes dead things live? So what do you do in the middle of that? The band doesn't need to come. Just on it. Just come. We've got just a couple minutes. I wanted to end this with a, well, what do I do now? And what I like to do is I like to give you these little bullet list takeaways. I don't have a bullet list for you today. But I do have one thing. I do, I, do, I do have one thing that you can do in, in the valley. While you're walking through a difficult season, when you're trying to understand what, all right, God, Pastor Dwayne said there was purpose here. Pastor Dwayne said that all these valleys were, 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 were evil, that some were, you know, intended to, to, to help me grow. Doesn't feel like that right now, but I, I'll choose to believe that. What do I do in the meantime? What do I do now? I'm going to tell you how Dwayne has learned. So you, you can take this for whatever you want to take it. You can choose to believe it, you can choose not to, but I'm going to tell you what's worked for Dwayne in my dark places. You know, I, I, I do what you do, and I'll fight, and I'll complain, and I'll grumble. None of that ever worked. I try to find peace and solace in something else, and that doesn't work. It just doesn't. So what works? What I have learned is that when I'm in my darkest place, if I will lift my voice in worship. God, I don't understand it. But I trust you. I don't like it. But I love you. Could it be, God, that you have me in this season for my good and your glory if that's the case then God I'll walk through this darkness if you want me to I'll walk through this valley if you want me to because I trust you and I know that you know best and I know that you'll work all things for good to those that love God and are called according to your purpose so if this is your purpose I will worship you in the dark place I will worship you in the valley because that's how I'm going to grow and that's how I'm going to be nourished. I will worship you. I'll worship you with my voice. I'll absorb your word. I will pray like I've never prayed before. Bow your heads with me.
So here's what I, how I, I want to end this service with a time of prayer, and then I'm going to read one more scripture to you, and then we're going to be done. But while I pray for you, here's what I don't, if, if this is you, Dwayne, I'm in, I'm in a dark place, I'm in a valley, and I heard what you said. That, that maybe God has me here for a purpose. And I heard what you said, that maybe God's got me here to grow. And I heard what you said, that not all the valleys are, are, are bad things. Uh, but I'm, I'm struggling, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm struggling in the middle of this valley, and I, I need the help and grace and mercy and strength of the Lord. If that's you, I just want you to put your hands in. Amen. 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 We're going to pray. Donna, when, when, when we say our amen, I want you to lead us in that chorus. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I believe that your Holy Spirit is present in this place. I believe that your Holy Spirit was in this room before we unlocked the doors. And not only that, Lord, I, I believe that you are well aware of our season and that perhaps you appointed it. So, Lord, those that are in this room and are struggling, that are walking through a difficult place, God, I pray for the power and strength that can only come from our Savior Jesus would undergird them. And, God, you would help them see the purpose in their struggle, purpose in their dark place, purpose in their valley. So, God, as we leave this place, we are committed to looking at the truth, God, not to operate by our feelings, not to operate by, uh, by our own emotions, but to operate according to what is real. We're going to leave this place today committed to a, a more, a, to a stronger biblical perspective. And God, to do that, we're going to have to be committed to your word. And God, help us to in all that we do to have an eternal perspective, to remember that this life, this world is not our home. And God, maybe when we have an eternal perspective like that, that while we're walking through a dark place, there may be somebody in this dark place with us that needs to know who you are. So God, I believe that you're able to use us in the valley to share the gospel with others that are in the valley. So what we choose to do in the dark place is to worship and honor the Lord Jesus. Sing, Donna. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed yes. me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glory. Would you sing that with her as a testimony? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, sing it. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of God. Thank you, 
Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. So I'm going to give you a passage that I want you to hang on to. Psalm 146.2 says this. Oh, y'all, I'm telling you, you got to hang on to this. I will praise the eternal for as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God as long as breath fills my lungs and blood flows through my veins. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome afternoon.